For the month of May, we have been talking about kindness. We've been looking at Bible passages about being kind and reading a book by Bruce Reyes Chow called In Defense of Kindness. He writes that to be kind is to accept that each person is created, is a created and complex human being and to treat them as if you believe this to be true. So our first week, we unpacked that definition as we looked at how Jesus does exactly this. Then the rest of the month, we saw how our busyness gets in the way of being kind. We talked about the importance of apologizing well as a critical piece of kindness. And we looked at three key pieces of a really good apology. Now today is our last week in this series, and we're going to finish out our study by looking at a passage from Romans 12 and how kindness starts with us being transformed. But first, a story about our dog, because it's been at least a few weeks since we yes. talked about, uh, about our dog. <laughs> uh, most of you know that about a year ago, uh, we got a pandemic puppy named Mistake. <laughs> no, named Stella. <laughs> Stella is a Labrador retriever, and when we got her, they told us that she was the calm one of the litter, which is for a lab like saying she's the calmest kindergartner. But even that, it turns out, was a lie. As soon as we brought Stella home, she starts doing what most lab puppies do. She sprinted around the house. She stole our shoes and our books to chew on. She barked every time the wind blew, but we weren't worried. Because one thing we know about dogs is that they are pack animals. Yeah, younger dogs will mimic uh, their behavior, their mirror their behavior off of the dog that's in charge, that's right. the pack leader. And we have another lab, beautiful, wonderful dog named Cammy. And Cammy is eight years old and she is perfect. She doesn't bark, she sits quietly at our feet she, she walks gently on a leash. She never begs for food. Well, maybe a little bit, but, but you know, she just makes, she makes her presence known. Uh, Cammie would be the perfect example for Stella to learn from. And we were absolutely right about one thing. Dogs are pack animals and they will mirror the behavior of the dog in charge. We were wrong about which dog would be the pack leader. <laughs> Within a week, this tiny puppy, Stella, was in charge. And Cammy, our eight-year-old, perfectly behaved lab, began mirroring Stella's behavior. Yeah, so Stella barked at people walking by, so Cammy barked too. Stella drug in large branches from the yard to chew up on the living room floor. So Cammy did too. When we ate dinner, there were now two cold Labrador noses <laughs> nudging us <laughs> under the table for scraps. At least they're both really cute. That's right, they are. So I'd like to think that we're more sophisticated than our pet dogs, but really we are pack animals too. So we also take our cues from one another. Some of this is harmless. We keep up our homes to fit in with our neighbors. We wear certain clothes to fit in with our friends. Uh, but sometimes the thing that everyone else is doing isn't good. And then we have to make a choice. Will we fit in or will we do the right thing? You know, someone makes a, uh, a mean joke. Do you laugh? 
someone takes advantage of somebody else? Do you stand up for them? You do something wrong and get away with it. Do you apologize and make it right? Because when it comes to kindness, doing the right thing can make us weird. It can make us weird. Kindness in a world that can be really cruel is not always the easy choice. So let's take a look at our passage from Romans chapter 12. And if you have a Bible in front of you, go ahead and open it up and you can read along with us as we look at this. So we'll be in the book of Romans chapter 12. Romans 12 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. You know, we tend to think of being a Christian as something we do on Sunday mornings instead of going to brunch, or at least going to brunch after church, which might mean waiting for a table. So, you know, there is some sacrifice. <laughs> but following Jesus is uh, much more than just going to church, although that's a critical piece of it. It's really a whole life orientation. If we take it seriously, it means giving our whole selves to God as an act of worship not just one hour a week. So Romans goes on, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. So Romans then goes a step further. Following Jesus is not just something you do, it's something that transforms you. It changes not only the way that you live, but the way that you think. It changes you into someone who is seeking after God Instead of blending in with everybody else, it transforms you. Romans goes on, mm -hmm. verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one, for as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence the compassionate in cheerfulness. This is what we talked about last week on Pentecost, that when the Spirit is in our community, we are all called to serve in different ways, and that we need one another. Some teach, some encourage, some give, some lead, some offer compassion, but we all do all of our work. We need all of us to do our part as one body. Now, the next section of our passage is labeled the marks of a true Christian. So if you don't have some apprehension as we keep reading, you are not being honest with yourself. So let's, let's go into this next verse. We're going to continue in verse 9 of Romans 12. Let's read. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the 
the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Okay, I told you. It's a big list. But don't read this list and just give up. Because we know right at the center of our faith is Jesus crucified and risen so that we can be redeemed. In other words, admitting you can't check off all the boxes of that list of a marks of a true Christian, that's actually the first step to being a true Christian. Our walk with Jesus starts by admitting how much we need him, because we can never do it on our own. But as we grow in our faith, we start to be transformed. Doesn't mean we're perfect, but we start to see our lives show the kinds of, of things that we just read. And what I do see in this list is a lot of things that, that sound uh, kind of against the grain out there. You know, things like um, building community with people that you might not have, associating with people you, you might not have otherwise. Offering hospitality to people you don't even know. Doing good for people you hate. Being generous with what you have to give it to others. So this is the first part when it talks about to not be conformed, but be transformed. The life that God is calling you to is transformed. It's a life where you are transformed. But here's the tough part. One of the most seductive temptations for us is to conform to the world. Most of us, we want to fit in. We are pack animals. We naturally mirror the behavior of the people around us. We've all heard that saying, like you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. It's the easiest thing to do to conform, to fit in, to do what everyone else is doing. But just fitting in isn't the full life that God wants for you. God has called you to be kind in a world that isn't kind. God has called you to be good in a world that is cruel. And so you won't be able to fit in all the time. And you know what? As a Christian, you shouldn't. Your life as a Christian should look different. You should be, at least some of the time, a little weird. Because when you are transformed by the power of God, your life will look different 
when you talk to people. Your life is going to look different in the way you treat people. Your life is going to look different if you're transformed by God than if you're conformed to the things that you see around you. Yeah, you know, your life, when, when put up against the norm of you know, self-promotion and competition and wealth and image and judgment, your life will not fit in. If you let God transform you into being kind, you are going to seem a little weird. But maybe weird can also be kind of great. Because when you let God transform you, you get to see what God can do. You get to be a part of what God is doing. That's right. And that sometimes that's going to look a little weird. Sure, people may think it's weird when you don't do what everyone else is doing. But the upside to all of this, the upside to letting your life be transformed, you get to partner with God. And that is so much better. If you live a transformed life, you get to partner with what God is doing. You get to catch a glimpse of what God is doing. You know, in the world, but also in your life, where, where you are being transformed. All right, one more thing before we stop. Even if we let go of fitting in with everyone else, we're still pack animals at heart. We're meant to be together. Even when God is transforming us, we can't you know, just go it alone. And that is why church matters so much. That's why it matters if you come here on a Sunday morning to worship. Now, I'm not saying that you won't pick up bad behaviors in church. In fact, that's the whole reason we come together at all. As Christians, we come to church because we know we are sinners. We know that we make mistakes. And plenty of Christians have gone down the wrong path by conforming to the other people who are in the pews. But being in church helps us look <clears throat> to Jesus, and he is the one that we should follow. So it's really important that we come here together as we look to be transformed. And church is a place where we study the Bible together, worship God together, and create a community together. It helps us know that we aren't alone in trying to follow Jesus. And we also aren't completely transformed yet. That's right. We aren't. We're not there yet. But once a week, we get together and we remember that we want God to transform us. Because we want to be kind. And that might make us weird in a world that is not kind, in a world that is cruel. But that's okay, because we will be a little weird together. <laughs>